This podcast is brought to you by Bethany Trinity Presbyterian Church. Thanks for listening. Okay, very good morning to all of you this very good Friday. Uh, very good welcome to all those who are visitors as well. Now, for those of you who are unfamiliar with today's passage, don't worry. It will all become clear, hopefully, God willing, by the end of the sermon. So before we begin, we usually ask God for help to help us understand His Word. So what we're going to do now is we're going to go to God in prayer and ask Him to help us to really understand His Word, which speaks so clearly to us about Good Friday. So let's uh, go to God in prayer. Dear Father in heaven, we pray that you may help us to understand your word today. For you speak clearly and uh, we need to listen. We pray for all these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Now I have a friend who was uh, one year older than me in school. Yeah, he was a very good tennis player and we used to play tennis together. But apart from being just a good tennis player, he was someone that I actually looked up to. He was quite a nice guy, very friendly, great sense of humor. But recently I heard from another mutual friend that uh, this friend of mine is in a terrible place. He's actually in jail in Thailand. Uh, he was caught in possession of drugs. He was, uh, you know, sentenced in uh, court and he has now been put in jail in Thailand. So when I think about my friend, I feel really bad for him and I sort of think, is there a way in which he can be set free? Because you know, uh, the friend I remember, I can't imagine him being in jail in Thailand, right? I mean, I, I hear the jails in Thailand are not very good. But the reality is that he can't be uh, set free because he's guilty. Uh, you know, there's a saying, if you can't do the time, then don't do the crime, right? So if he's done the crime, then he must do the time. He cannot be declared innocent when he is wrong. When he is done wrong, he cannot be made right. So I'm very sad for my friend. But in some ways, actually, just as I'm sad for my friend, uh, when God looks at us, he's sad for each and every one of us. Because as we've seen in today's word in the Bible, all of us here are just like my friend. We are all guilty, guilty, guilty. And that's how today's passage begins, right? Uh, so some of the Slides will be up here because God says, now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law so that every mouth may be silenced and the whole world held accountable to God. Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of sin. So in every way, we are like my friend in a jail in Thailand, even though we are all here sitting free and happy and comfortable on Good Friday, but yet when God looks at us, He knows that we have done the crime, we have done wrong, and we are the guilty ones. And that's the reality of where we stand before God. That is the first truth that we need to acknowledge. I remember many years ago, I was sitting uh, in hospital looking after my grandfather who was in his late 90s. He had pneumonia and he was dying in hospital. And uh, I had a relative sitting across from me. And I remember it was quite late into the night. You know, it was, it was just him and me and my grandfather was there. And if you've ever been in the hospital, it's very quiet and very unnerving because, you know, you just have the heartbeat machine 
and you're sort of like looking at his heartbeat, you're hearing the respirator going on. And I tried sharing the good news of Jesus Christ with my relative. And my relative said to me, he said, actually, I don't need Jesus. I can get to heaven myself because I'm a good person. And I said to my friend, what makes you say you're a good person? And he said, well, because I obey God's law. And I said, what's God's law? And he said, uh, it's the Ten Commandments. And I said, uh, okay, so which of the Ten Commandments do you obey? And he said, uh, I can't remember them all, but I think I don't murder anybody. So I was thinking, well, obviously, you think you're a good person, right? Because then you didn't murder anyone. Actually, most people are good people because how many of us are murderers, right? I mean, I don't know any murderers here today. But I want you to listen how Jesus defines being a good person. So in uh, the book of Matthew, chapter 22, which is up here, someone asked Jesus, how do you summarize the law? What is the greatest commandment of the law? And Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Now, if this is the sum total of what God's law requires of us, then how many of us can honestly, frankly say we are good people? Because can we honestly love our God with all our heart, all our mind, at all our soul, at all the moments of our life? It's impossible. And do we love our neighbor as ourselves all the time? No, it cannot be. We are inherently selfish and self-centered. And that's why God says so clearly in the passage that we just read, that every mouth may be silenced, the whole world may be held accountable, and no one is declared righteous before God. Now, I have a confession to make. Even my mother doesn't know about this. Anyway, it's too late because my mother died a few years ago. right? But when I was in primary four, I still remember I came back from school one day and uh, it was a maths paper. And I thought I'd done fairly well. And then I opened it. I got eight out of 20. (laughs) And I was like, my goodness, this is the first time I've ever failed anything in my life, right? And uh, I was thinking, okay, what do I do now? What do I do now? Maybe, maybe, you know, those days, you know, you have lots of ideas when you're young. I get a red pen, and I put one in front of eight, and I get 18 out of 20, right? Or maybe, you know, those are the days, you can imagine, there's this new product in the market called liquid paper. So now I get liquid paper and change it. But what I did in the end was I actually took the paper, and I hid it behind this old drawer that my mom has, right? It was like decades old. And it was only like when I was in my late 40s when I actually found that, that, that paper again, you know? Now, unfortunately, my wife, my sorry, my mom never found out about me failing that paper, right? But we can't do that with God because God sees everything. God knows everything. We can't hide our sins, so to speak, behind the cupboard so that he will never find out. Now, part of the problem is that as we look at today's word in the Bible, God's word in the Bible, For the Jews, uh, as we saw in the little skit at the beginning, were very self-confident that they had passed God's law. They were circumcised, 
They were God's people. They had the temple, just as uh, uh, our skit was showing. So they were fairly confident that they were right before God. But God wants to make very, very clear that actually they cannot hide their sins behind a cupboard. They cannot hide themselves behind anything. Everything is visible. And in fact, the law, rather than justifying themselves, condemns them, condemns their sin. But the good news of Good Friday begins in verse 21, right? Because in verse 21 it says, But, but now apart from the law, but now righteousness from God apart from the law has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. The righteousness from God that comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There is no difference for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. Now as we see here, there's a difficult word there which says righteousness. What is righteousness? This word righteousness is actually the word being declared right in a legal sense. It's a legal word from the law courts. You are declared not guilty. You are acquitted. You are declared innocent. Now, we cannot be righteous ourselves. We cannot beg, borrow, or steal, or work for righteousness. The law condemns us. But, here it tells us that this righteousness is from God. Now, it actually says here that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. It means that God has set the standard. God's glory is the standard and we all fall short. So for the Jews who are very confident, it's like, you know, you do, you do your O levels, right? And you think, ah, oh, I'm going, I did really well. I did so well. I'm going to go to, or your PSLE, I did really well. I'm going to go to Raffles, right? Raffles, I'm going to make it Raffles. So you get results back. My goodness, I did so badly. I'm not even not going to Raffles. I'm not going anywhere. I feel everything. Now that is the feeling that the Jews would have experienced because they thought, you know, the law justifies us. You know, when you're a good person, you look at the law, you think it's a great thing, right? Yeah, I know I, I drive within the speed limit. I do these things. So the law is a good thing. But when you're a bad person, the law is your enemy. And what this passage actually tells us is that the law condemns every single person. Now, my wife is a lecturer at university. And uh, you know at university, they have this bell curve thing, right? Oh, okay, next one. Don't worry about this. Uh, next one. Ah, this bell curve. So my wife, you know, sometimes helps me to go through the marking with her, right? And um, they always have this bell curve where, you know, there's a, they have a certain percentage who pass, certain, you know, it's like, it all seems a bit, you know, Sad for the people who are on this side of the bell curve, right? The, the ones who, who don't pass, right? But the, but the sad and shocking thing for us is that actually when you look at what God's word says, everybody is a failure. We're all failures because we fail to meet the standard of God's glory. Therefore, it says there's no difference for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But what we cannot do ourselves, God does for us on Good Friday. Because it says God freely gives us His righteousness. 
God is the one who gives us righteousness. He declares us innocent, right, justified before him. It's like a present, right? So, uh, okay, so you got this present, right? Next one. Okay, so by right, we should all be judged. What happens? We get this free gift of righteousness. We don't deserve to be righteous, but God gives us righteousness. He declares us innocent. And that's where Good Friday comes in, right? Because we receive this free gift. It's free for us, but it's costly for God. Because, you know, actually, really in life, there's no such thing as free, right? I mean, like, Amazon says, you know, Amazon Prime, you, you pay some money and then you get free delivery. Actually, it's not free delivery, or you pay it, right? How can it be free, right? So in life, really, there's no free things, right? Yeah, okay, we get free righteousness. Yeah, we're freely justified. But it's free for us. But costly for somebody is costly for God because God sent His own Son, Jesus, to die on the cross. That's how much it cost us. And that's why it says here that we are justified freely by His grace through the redemption. Uh, the next slide, yep. The redemption that came by Christ Jesus. See, redemption is a slavery word. Right? Righteousness is a legal word. But slavery, there's a word called redemption. In the ancient world, people became slaves very often because they went into debt. You know, it's like uh, when you owe money to people, you can't pay, you become their slave. Or maybe you're captured in war. If you want to be set free from slavery, it comes at a cost. Someone needs to pay your owner to set you free. It's a bit like being kidnapped, right? I mean, when you get kidnapped, usually people don't let you go for free, right? If you get kidnapped, they want something back in return so that you can be free. So in this passage, God says that the death of Jesus on Good Friday is a redemption. We are slaves to sin. We are slaves. We are enslaved to judgment. But God sends His Son as a price in exchange to set us free, to redeem us from our slavery. Now, the question that you must ask is, why didn't God just pay some money? Because you know usually when people are slaves or you're kidnapped, what do people want? Money, right? I mean, that's what people usually ask for, right? Why didn't God just give some money to set us free? But the problem is that we are slaves to sin and judgment. And the payment that sets us free is not money, but the punishment needs to be paid to set us free. And the punishment that needs to be paid is actually blood, death. And that's why it says here that God, when he died, sent Jesus to die on the cross for us, presented Jesus as a sacrifice of atonement through faith in his blood. See, this sacrifice is a temple worship idea where in the ancient world, when you do wrong, if you didn't pay for it, you'd put your hands on a lamb and you put your sin symbolically on the lamb and the lamb would die for you so that your sins would be paid for by the poor lamb and you would be set free. Now obviously, very sorry for the lamb, you know, because the lamb didn't do anything wrong, right? But he had to die for you. 
But here we see that Jesus willingly goes to the cross as a sacrifice of atonement. He atones for your sins as a substitute. You see, in relational terms, in worship terms, in terms of the law, the punishment must be met. See, imagine if you give me your most valuable watch. Oh, no, okay. Some young people don't wear watches these days. Let me, you give me your very valuable iPhone X or your valuable Samsung Note. S or whatever, right? And I said, hey, I want to make a phone call. Can you let me have it? I just need to make a phone call and I borrow it. And then I'm really clumsy and I drop it. And I break it. And I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry. And the process of trying to pick it up, I step on it and break it some more, right? So it's totally destroyed. Now, how do I make things right with you? I could say, hey, I'm, I'm so clumsy. <laughs> I'm sorry, right? But would that make things right with you and me? Uh, maybe if you're a very nice person, it might. Lah. But for most people, you would say, hey, I lent you my phone. You broke my phone. You should at least give me the money to buy another one or at least help me to pay for another phone, right? You need to pay something to fix the relationship. So in the same way, Jesus Christ is like the payment to fix our relationship with God. He's the one who pays for our sins to justify us, to give us righteousness in the legal sense, but also in a sense to make things right between us and God. Because actually God as the judge is demanding our blood, our death for our sins. But we can't pay for it because once we're dead, we're dead, right? But Jesus, God's son, steps in to pay in our place. Now you might say, wow, God is so bloodthirsty, right? Why couldn't just God say, ah, I forgive you lah. Anyway, you're a fairly nice person. You're a good person. You help the old lady walk across the road. You give money to the poor, especially when you know, these people come and bug you to buy stickers. You, you give money to buy tissue paper from the old uncle at the hawker center. Why doesn't God just forgive us? Why does he need to demand payment and Jesus Christ die on Good Friday? Well, the reality is, if you look at this passage, uh, next slide, it actually says that God sent Jesus to the cross because God is a just God, he's a just judge. He demonstrates his justice. Now, imagine if a judge in Singapore would to just say, okay, uh, I know you, you raped that woman, but I'm going to set you free anyway, I forgive you. Or I know that you murdered that person, I forgive you, it's okay, I let you go. That person would be a lousy judge, right? They're a terrible judge. I mean, someone's convicted of a crime. You know they're guilty. All the evidence is there. The dead body, all the evidence is there. And the judge just says, oh, it's okay. No big deal. I'll let you free. That's a bad judge. God is not a bad judge. God is a perfect judge. He is more perfect in knowledge and in execution than human judges. And God cannot just say, oh, okay, it's okay. I know you've done bad things. I know you've broken the law. You've not met the standard that I require, but I will just forgive you anyway. God cannot do that. And therefore, that is why God sent 
his very own son to die on the cross to pay the price that needs to be paid. And that's why the title, if you look at the title of today's talk, it says, how can we be made right when we are wrong? We can't make ourselves right when we are wrong. But God can make us right because He gets His own Son, His own blood, He is God Himself, to go to the cross to pay for our sins and therefore we are now declared innocent because the price has been paid. And what should our response be then? Well, the passage says it's very clear, right? Next slide. It only happens, it only works for you if you are willing to have faith. Faith here is not an emotional feeling. You know, I feel faith. I, I, I'm touched, you know, this morning by what God has done in the sense I feel, I want to feel faith. Uh, the Bible is actually saying that what is happening here is a real trust, a, a faith in a trust sense. It's not a feeling sense, it is a trust sense. Uh, now, for those of you who came by public transport today, you had to trust that your bus driver was going to get you here, or your or no more Uber, right? Okay, your Grab <laughs> driver was going to get you here, right? You, you got in the car because you trusted the driver. Or if you took MRT, you trust that MRT was not going to break down and get you here on time, right? Or be late. Or, you know, if you went across the overhead bridge, you trusted that the overhead bridge would would not fall down. Or if you sit on the chair, you trust that the chair is going to hold you up. That is what faith that God is talking about. You put your trust on the work of Jesus on the cross on Good Friday to pay for your sins, to give you righteousness as a sacrifice of atonement. And that's what Good Friday really is about. It is an invitation for you to accept the free gift uh, that God is giving you, the costly gift. So in conclusion, you know, we've been sort of um, uh, in an environment where there's a lot of fake news, right? I mean, there's a parliamentary committee about fake news. Uh, you've got fake news in, uh, in uh, the elections in America. You've got, you know, fake news on Facebook, fake news everywhere. But actually, part of the problem is that we desire fake news. We, we like fake news. I mean, my dad's sending me fake news all the time, right? His khaki is sending him like videos of, you know, cars, you know, his cars levitating in, in China and everything, right? I mean, like, if you look at the, the, the news I'm getting, there's fake news everywhere. So I remember reading uh, the newspaper and saying that, you know, they did a test about fake news and they wanted to find out how fast truth and fake news are spread in the, on the internet, right? So they said, okay, we will, we will do this test and see how fast does it take for a piece of news to reach 1,500 people. And we will try to give fake news and real news. And they found out that actually, Fake news spreads six times faster than truth, right? That actually people are more, people like you and me, eh, are more likely to read, to spread, and to post fake news six times more than truth. Now, 
I think that actually fake news has been around a lot longer than the internet. And I think for Good Friday, uh, you can see fake news, right? Because in Good Friday, uh, people associate Good Friday with like Easter, right? And Easter eggs. Now, why do people invent the Easter bunny and Easter eggs instead of coming to the truth, which is Jesus Christ dying on the cross? I think it's because we don't like the truth about judgment. We don't like judgment. We don't like the fact that we're not meeting God's standard. We don't like the fact that there is punishment ahead of us. A friend of mine is a church worker. And he went to Norway and all these Nordic countries. He was telling me that actually when he was there, uh, people told him that they shouldn't speak about judgment. Uh, judgment, when he was there, in Norway, all these countries, and the Nordic countries, he said, you know, it's very rude to talk about judgment. It's like farting in public or burping in someone's face. You just don't talk about judgment with people. But the reality is that there is judgment, and if you don't talk about judgment, then there is no reason for Jesus dying on the cross. Why would Jesus waste his time dying on the cross if there's no such thing? as judgment. That's why you have the Easter bunny and that's why you have Easter eggs because you don't want to believe in judgment then what's there in Good Friday? It's just chocolates, right? So today, if you don't really believe in judgment, then where does Jesus come into all this? Well, then you just have the... Next slide. You have the Jesus, right? Not the Jesus. You have the cheesy, fakey Jesus, right? who basically is like a, next slide, is like, eh, what happened to the genie? Oh yeah, the genie. Who basically is like a genie who is just there to give you your wishes, right? But actually, don't believe the fake news, right? Good Friday is not about the Easter bunny or Easter eggs or Jesus and the genie Jesus. It's about the real fact that Jesus went to the cross because of the truth of judgment. And that is only through faith and trust in Jesus that you will receive the legal righteousness from God. You'll be declared innocent before God. That you will have been redeemed from the slavery to sin and judgment. And that you will be atoned for your sin. That you'll be made right in your relationship with God. So I hope that you really understand what Good Friday is about. And I hope that you will understand a bit more about what God really did on Good Friday in sending His Son to the cross. And that you will uh, really receive Jesus and put your trust in Him. And receive the gift of God, which cost Him so much, to save you from judgment. Okay, So let's uh, go to God in prayer now. We're going to pray and ask God to help us really understand His Word and to commit uh I guess, what we've learned today to our hearts. So let's bow our heads in prayer. Dear Father, as we come before you today, we pray that we will be more excited and more invigorated by the reality of the great gift of Jesus dying on the cross for us. That this Good Friday, 
we will be impacted by the fact that Jesus died, really died for me to pay for my sins as a sacrifice, to make me right with you, to make me legally righteous before you so I'm no longer condemned, to set me free from slavery. And that as the reality of what Jesus has done strikes my heart, that we would, all of us, really come to put our faith in Him. And we pray for all these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thanks for listening to this podcast brought to you by Bethany Trinity Presbyterian Church. For more information, visit us online at bcpc.sg.